At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Coming up on episode 262 of Wheel Bearings, we've got the Lucid Air Grand Touring, Toyota GR86, the Chevy Bolt EUV, the Hyundai Tucson plug-in hybrid, uh, Buick buying out some of its dealers, Toyota increasing its investment in EV batteries, and much more. All that coming up next. This is episode 262 of Wheel Bearings. I'm Sam Abual Samet from Guidehouse Insights. I am Nicole Wakeman from the Fast Women Podcast. And I am Roberto Baldwin from Lifewire. Ooh. Uh, and Roberto, what have you been driving? Oh, you were going to ask me first. I wasn't even ready. <laughs> he didn't ask me because I am ready. He only he generally only asks if his like spidey sense says he's not ready. Ask him. He's like who is ready? <laughs> it's like it's more fun that way. You're like the teacher in school who's determined who hasn't done their homework. Right. Yeah, he's standing not make, across the yeah. room. Yeah, who's not making eye contact? You, yep. Sam, in the back row. I know. You haven't done your. It's you. So therefore, things. answer question five on our homework. Duh. Anyway, while we were talking, I opened up the, the file I need. Ha <laughs> <laughs> uh, ha! I was driving the 2022 Bolt EUV Premier. Ooh. What does EUV actually stand for? Everyone... Electric Utility Vehicle. Is it e- Electric Utility Vehicle? Okay. Yes. Everyone unlikes Victor. <laughs> it was the original title for Everyone Loves Ray, and it just didn't test well. It just so... didn't work out? Yeah. No. No, it didn't. It didn't work out at all. Uh, yeah, the EUV. I've been driving it for a few days. I haven't done the mileage run yet, so I don't have uh, some details about. It. I'm actually doing that today after the podcast. But I can tell you that it drives nicer than the uh, regular Bolt. Um, I think one of my issues with the regular Bolt is that um, the uh, it's 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 got a bit of a rough ride. Uh, when we were looking at e, at uh, EVs to purchase. Um, when we were driving around in the Bolt, my wife uh, <laughs> asked, "Why is this vehicle? Why is this? Why does this car handle rougher than our BRZ?" <laughs> I was like, "Oh, well, there you go." <laughs> There's your review. <laughs> There's your review. Um, overall, I mean, I think especially at the price points that these things are at right now, um, 
it's it's a pretty good deal. Uh, if you are fine with the DC fast charging, which is at 50 kilowatts, which is was great when the Bolt came out way back in the day, because uh, it was funny because the Bolt beat the Tesla Model 3 to market, and when they uh, when they <laughs> When they delivered the first bolt, they delivered it to someone in Fremont, which is where Tesla's at. <laughs> so oh, that's funny. Well, and, sort of and when they did like the, a little stick in the eye. Well, yeah. Well, when they did the media drive program for the bolt in uh, what January 2017, I think um, they did it in Palo Alto, starting from Palo Alto, like about a mile and a half from Tesla headquarters. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, so it's it's uh, you know just a little old school automaker stick in the eye. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so it, it has a, uh, the EPA says it has a range of 247 miles, which is adequate, which is fine, which is what people want. Um, the 50 kilowatt, uh, charging it's, I, well, for me, like I, I go to, I've been, you know, I'll go do some DC fast charge and I'm like 50 kilo. I was just like, uh, <laughs> it just seems so slow now, uh, compared to when this vehicle came it, came out and we were like woo and now i'm sitting at a 150 kilowatt uh you know station and i'm waiting for it to charge and i'm like oh it's up to 52 oh we get a little extra <laughs> get a little something. Uh, on the on the other hand though you know the the bolt and the the euv um have a relatively small battery because they're 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 actually pretty energy efficient so they only have a 65 kilowatt hour battery uh so you know that's like half the size of the battery in the Lightning, in the F-150 Lightning. And, yeah. you know, a third less than, you know, most of the, the longer-range EVs that are out there right now. So your actual time to charge, most of the time is actually probably not going to be that bad. You know, it's, it's still going to be... It's still 45 be minutes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's not it's not horrible. It's just that you're looking at it and you're like, oh, my gosh. It feels uh, but, like you know, again. Yeah. Most people are charging at night. Um, I am, you know, I live within stone's throw of like five charging stations, and we never ever charge our EV at any charging <laughs> stations. It's been a long time. My wife did a, like one road trip, which you know most people will do. She charged it then. We still have two hundred. Like when you bought a Hyundai or you leased a Hyundai, you got two hundred fifty kilowatt hours of like free charging at electrify america i was looking at it we still have 230 kilowatts of, <laughs> oh, of like available like i'm like oh man i shouldn't really look up and see when does this uh when does this expire so if you might think you're doing a lot of charging the reality is i think most people if you have a house if you live in an apartment building this is a completely different you know scenario if you live in a house and you charge at home or you have charging at work um, the 50 is probably not that big of a deal. If you uh, if you live in an apartment, um, if you live near a place, you know, your you know where you do your grocery shopping, there's a Lucky's nearby. It has an Electrify America right next to it. It's in that parking lot. Um, you know, if you go there a few times a week, you're probably gonna be fine. It's not that. It's not really that big of a deal. It's really mostly for if you're someone who's like, I'm gonna do, you know, road trips over 200 miles in my EV on a regular basis. That's where it's really gonna. Be, be a kind of a pain. And, and to be honest, if you're doing that, you're probably not buying a Bolt EV anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the thing. You're not buying a I Bolt mean, EV. I either. like the Bolt a lot, but yeah, you know, it's not probably not the car I would want to drive on a cross country road trip. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're not getting that. Don't don't. You shouldn't be concerned about it. Uh, that said, um, it does have the um, 
the bolt, the EUV, not the regular bolt, but the EUV does have the option for super cruise, and I have super cruise on this one. And I've been cruising around and going back and forth. I have a, I've had to go to Oakland and to the city a bunch this week. Um, I had to go all the way down to Lake San Jose, and uh, yeah, it's still you know solid, still you know the best hands-free system on the market of the two. That <laughs> um, <laughs> does have a bit more ping ponging that I've uh, experienced on other uh, super cruise vehicles. Um, really. Yeah, it's it's, 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 it's weird. I had one earlier this summer, and it was standing in the, in the center of the lane, rock solid. It was. We have a lot of like workers. really windy road, windy windy freeways here, and there's a lot oh. of construction working going on. Um, it's you know, our, our, you know, even if you're not on like a back road, we still got like big curves <laughs> for big whatever curves. reason. So big could not curves. handle big. curves. We got to go around bay, you know, water. We got to go around you know mountains and whatnot. And, Things that were built and you know. You just the made that days. area sound much more rugged. You got to go around water. There's mountains, all sorts of <laughs> well, stuff. We have in a the whole way. bay. You've it's just like turned right it. There. You just turned it into like the most rugged <laughs> landscape in the country, it's like San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot have, of hills. Have you have seen you New Hampshire? <laughs> I have. Have you seen rural <laughs> Michigan? Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, no, because I don't want my car to be swallowed up by a by a pothole. Um, I have not seen rural Michigan. <laughs> Um, uh, that said, overall, yeah, I like it. I mean, if you're looking for an EV that you could probably get right now, I would expect. Mm, I think the, the you know the the fire, uh, the battery fire thing, which again was LG Chem's fault, um, has probably uh, turned a lot of people off of this vehicle. Uh, which means it's probably it's likely that they might be in stock. <laughs> you, <might actually laughs> you know, um, that's a well, good point. <laughs> well, well, plus, GM has just you know slashed the prices Flat. on these things. It's, it's the, like only the only EV, EV that's actually had the price go down. Yeah, yeah. Like the first, like uh, like a year ago, the the price went down on the Kona, and then recently the price went down on this. And these are all like you know these are not new EVs. These have been their EVs been around for a while. So if you're looking for an EV. But you also, you know, you you like, oh man, everything, you know, Maki's going, you know, everything else is the price is going up. If you're looking for an EV, you're like, yeah, maybe I need to save some money. And for whatever reason, you need the bigger version of the vault of the bolt. God, that's that's still that's annoying that bolt volt thing yes. uh, of the bolt. Um, you know, maybe uh, the version I was driving, uh, standard cost is uh, thirty-seven thousand five hundred dollars. Um, and uh, it had a – how much is Super Cruise? Super Cruise is $2,200. So Now, that $37,000, that, s- I think that's, a tw- that's the 2022 model year price. Yeah, so it's uh, cheaper. Yeah, so for twenty three, they lowered the price by like $6,000. So let's look uh, at so the, the Bolt. So the Bolt EV, the, the 1LT Bolt EV starts at twenty six five ninety five, including delivery. And it's like twenty nine eight for the two LT model, and I think for the for the EUV it's about fifteen hundred or two thousand dollars more than that. So the EUV starts at twenty seven thousand two hundred, which is okay. woo. Um, let's look up the Premier uh, price. Is that what you Again, had the Premier? I had the Premier. The Premier. It was like, it was like I was at a movie opening. Thir- Thirty two seven for the Premier. Thirty two seven, so less. Yeah. <laughs> And <laughs> which um, is like it's it's almost five thousand dollars less, which means that the uh, total price with all the bells and whistles, which is forty three for the twenty twenty three would be like thirty seven. Right. And even and once they announced the price reduction for the twenty three models, they started offering um, a, a discount, a rebate on the twenty twos that were still available. 
Uh, so basically, you could if you find a 22 model of your car on a dealer's lot, you can basically get it for the same price as the 23 model of your car. So it's because nothing's changed. I think they might have changed a couple of colors, but every, everything else is the same. So you can get it for that lower price. So you're looking, you know, thirty six, thirty seven thousand for the one with the Super Cruise on it. So it's pretty yeah. much a bargain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's so a pretty sweet deal. Uh, my only issue with the Bolt is that it doesn't show percentage, battery percentage, state of charge. It just so uh, I like look <laughs> everywhere. I think you have to go deep dive into. I something think you can find it in the menu in the center menu. Yeah, you have to go looking for it because uh, the, when I had to do the Bolt uh, range drive, I was sitting in my my driveway for about fifteen minutes trying to figure out how to turn it on in the dash cluster, <laughs> <laughs> and it just gives you like. <laughs> how far and a bunch of little like yeah. uh, a bunch of little bars which are you know slightly yeah what, what they do is they show you a window of range you know and depending on your on how you drive in in real time as you're driving it it'll adjust that window so if you're if you drive efficiently you know it'll shift it upwards and if you you know if you're uh, doing jackrabbit starts all the time it'll start to shift downwards it also doesn't tell you how fast you're charging. <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, I mean, so when I, you're not charging I'm that fast, the, it's not something I know. you want to... <laughs> so I'm sitting in the car, and the, the charger I have is pointed the other direction because it's one of those pull-in charges. It's, it's at an angle. It's in front. Uh, it's almost like a pull-through charger, but not quite. But they, they've set it up so it's easier to, to plug in to the, to the vehicles. And so it's pointed away, so I can't see the display. And I'm looking in the car, and I'm like, well, what's the charge rate? Should I be angry right now? Do I need to get on Twitter and be angry? Because, you know, if you have a low charge rate, that's the law. You have to get on Twitter well, and be like, I'm only charging at 7 kilowatts. Right. If you don't I mean, tell anybody, it's like it's not even happening. It doesn't matter. I mean, if, yeah, I mean, if, you're, if you're on Twitter and um, you're charging an EV, shouldn't being angry just be your default position anyway? Yeah, that's the default position. Um, <laughs> but so I had, to, like, I had to open the app and look at the app for the charging station. Um, and so that's that's how I found out it was charging like at 52. I'm like, ooh, fancy. Um, I will say that one of the charging stations I went to, uh, two people just pulled up in their ice car and just parked there. <gasps> no. And there was did a, you, and did there you was, get there out? Really? They, they, they did it after I walked away, and I came back, and there were just two cars sitting there. There were four charging stations. There was a Red Bolt EUV. There was me in this like light blue one that I'm driving. And then there was just two other cars. And then there was a guy driving around in a um, – an e-golf, like and you could hear him Try, in the car. Trying he's to like, find a place to charge. He's like, those cars aren't even EVs. I could hear him saying, that. and I was like, you know what, I can leave. And so while they they came around a second time, I pulled up, and I'm like, I don't know, figure out how to get them towed. <laughs> so that's why I tweeted, if you own a, uh, if you're under contract from a city or a county, and you get money every time you tow a car that's illegally parked, hang out at charging stations, make some money. Yeah. Because there were two cars, and those, you know, can those... they technically tow you from those though? Like, yeah, is it just, there's a, it's there's not a... a... Yeah, it's technically, it's you really, can tow a, yeah, you can say this is. There's like a little thing you can tow. This is where you can call to get your car. That's oh, I've never looked for that. Yeah. I mean, I've been to them, just never noticed that. I don't think there's enough people charging here to ever use all our charging stations, so it's yeah. never been an issue. So it... <laughs> yet, one one yeah, guy yet. did pull up in a in a in a Prius, and I was like, "What the fuck's going on?" Oh. Shit. <laughs> What's the going prime? on here? And um, and he ran in, and then he ran back out. He was just like a DoorDash guy. And I was like, oh, fine, it's whatever. It's still sketchy. I mean, would you do that it's if it was a handicapped sp- spot? What if the handicapped person was running right those two minutes? You probably, probably. would. He's that yeah. guy. 
Yeah, they're there. Yeah, people are horrible. Um, that said, <laughs> uh, Bolt TV, Bolt TV, not horrible. Super Cruise, a little bit of ping ponging. Still, you know, it, I used it 70, 80% of the drive down to San Jose. Uh, interchanges, it's like, hey, I'm turning off. And it's like, lights are flashing and it's telling you. And it turns down the music, like everything. Oh, to wow. tell you. Yeah, it turns down the music now when you're you're listening to music to tell you when things are about to turn off. So it's, yeah, it's, they. They want to make sure you know what's going on. So There's good, no good doubt that you are well nope. informed about the status of your vehicle. No, no mode confusion allowed. Correct. No mode confusion allowed. Yeah. So yeah, pull the EV. Excellent. Miss Wakelin. Yes. Where have you been driving? I was driving the 2022 Tucson Limited PHEV All-Wheel Drive. That is a long title. Like I read, now I'm just going to read whatever the Monroney says from now on. So we can all see how ridiculous some of these actual names are for these vehicles. Okay. Um, so plug-in hybrid Tucson. I like the Tucson. I, I like it in all its guises. I don't have a problem with it. I think they're all really good. I like, I, I'm a plug-in hybrid fan. I think it's a great little happy medium between, you know, you're not quite ready to go with an electric entirely, but you kind of want to start exploring the idea of it. I love plug-in hybrids. So this one gets 33 miles of all-electric range, which I think is pretty good, I would say, when you look at the, you know, it's, it's not, I mean, I, ours gets like 20-something, our Wrangler, because it's heavy and not as efficient. So I feel like 33 is pretty good. Um, starting price on this is $35,400. Mine had apparently a million extras although i'm getting I, I don't know see it's weird on the website it's 35.4 but when i'm looking at the monroney in my hand it says the starting price is 43.2 so go figure that out um so you know what All i don't know how things. much which doesn't make sense because it says everything is included so i don't well, know it was at 35 starting price for the limited or oh i think it's a limit i must be going up a trim that's it that's yeah. what it is thank you so i'm like why is this not matching the limited it's because the name's so long so 44 640 <laughs> is what mine was um are you gonna take a guess guess uh shipping freight handling all that stuff what's the fifteen hundred dollars 12 oh robbie wins again he always goes under 1245 yeah. that, was, that was pretty close you were spot on look at you um, so here's the thing. So I was looking at the pricing. So the ba- that's where I had the base pricing on the PHEV, the, the base trim is 35.4. If you just go with the hybrid, it's 29.7. If you go with the gas, it's 25.8. So I, all three of these are great. And it's cool that you can get this in every single powertrain you could possibly want, except a pure electric. But look at the price difference. I mean, 25.8 for the gas, 35.4. That's a significant increase to get the benefit of that plug-in powertrain. You know, you got to put another bat. You got to put a battery and a little motor. I know. Well, no, I'm not that it's not like badge. (laughs) The badge is what really the badge badge. alone is eight grand. Right. Well, especially especially when you have the limited and all wheel drive, you know, you're adding a lot of extra badges. You're adding a lot of extra badging. But I was thinking about that just in terms of the affordability of these things. Like if you're looking for an efficient car and you want to be a you're talking ten thousand dollars between the base gas engine and the base plug in hybrid like that is way beyond like if your budget is tight you just blew your budget to get this one yeah you know what i mean it's it's hard to get into some of these like even if you wanted to like oh honey do we have an extra ten thousand dollars in our budget to get the plug-in hybrid and it's not a a whole used car (laughs) right and it's not a knock against hyundai by any means it's just like the nature of the pricing it's like holy cow it really is hard to get into some of those more efficient less polluting going electric powertrains because the price i mean that's prohibitive man 10 grand can 
you know. Well, and, any- and this is this is Toyota's argument for putting so much emphasis on hybrids. Yeah. Because they can do the hybrids relatively inexpensively now. Yeah. And uh, you know, when you when you step up to a plug in, you know, and then to a battery electric, you know, it the price goes up in very big chunks. Huge increments. Yeah. If you just want to go from gas to hybrid, not the plug in, just a straight up hybrid, it is four grand. So four thousand dollars, which is I mean it's an ex- then it's another six thousand, you know, if you want to get that plug in. It's it's a, yeah. it's a jump to get into the hybrid, but like a more manageable one, but to get into the plug in, that's a huge jump. So just a little thoughts on getting into those vehicles. It can be sort of a challenge. Um, I do like this though. I like the styling on the Tucson on the outside, it's got this very angular uh sheet metal on the doors, like on the side, and it makes it look a little different instead of being all these like round curvy swoopy it, it has a little character to it so i do like that um inside i mean like this is a limited so it's the fancier one it's very comfortable it's very it, it looks good it looks like a more premium thing and you do get a lot of extra features like you get leather tri- leather seating surfaces you get heated rear seats are standard new england girls like yeah <laughs> heated rear seats like that's really cool you get ventilated front seats who cares about that unless you're in texas hey texas ventilated front seats um you get a 10.25 inch um, touchscreen for navigation, which is really really nice. Um, the here's the weird here's the weird thing between the trim levels on this, which I feel like needs calling out because I don't I do not understand this when it comes to the tech. You get Apple CarPlay and Android Auto in both. If you get the limited, the fancy trim, you got plug you got to plug it in. You need a cable. If you get the trim down, it's wireless. I've I've encountered this in uh, some other Hyundai, and I was it's, just like, "What's happening?" Strange. Because because my Kona, which was like low, way below this vehicle, like in just sort of like trim, not yeah, not counting the fact that it's an EV, like has wireless uh, CarPlay. But this other vehicle is more expensive. I had to plug it in. I'm like, "What is right. going on? Why it's is this happening?" <laughs> it's the backwards. I mean, the, the the screen gets larger. You get other stuff. You got a, you know, you get a stereo upgrade to a Bose audio system. You get like all the, and it's like, wait, but no, we're taking away the wireless capability. Go find your USB cord, which I just find a weird thing. It's perplexing to me why this does this. Uh, so it's, but it's a great car overall. It rides really smoothly. You get that EV, you know, that electric range, which is nice. Um, it has a decent amount of power. It feels pretty aggressive. It's a 1.6 liter turbocharged four cylinder. So you get 261 horsepower. 258 pound-feet of torque. It goes. It's not like an aggressive engine, but it's perfectly fine. You'll have no problems with it. And they're standard all-wheel drive, which is kind of nice. So you have that for those of us who live in cold places. And you can even tow with this. You can tow up to 2,000 pounds if you get it properly equipped. I think you need special, like, brakes. Um, And it has a good cargo room. Like, behind the second row, there's 31.9 cubic feet. That's a decent amount of cargo room. You flip the seats down, it's 66.3. I had to get rid of a big screen TV uh, because it died, and it just slid right in there. And I was like, no, I was doing the debate, like, is this going to be quite long enough yeah there's no problem so um and then today i used it to go get fall mums and some decorative things for outside my house because fall is here because it's september oh i thought you're like moms like moms like you had to go find some moms who are like who are like really in the fall no they're wearing earth tones and drinking pumpkin spice i have the same mom all the time and i don't generally put her in the cargo area of my car no this is but you could put four of them I could put four of her in there if I wanted to. Or for small plants, people. Plants, plants, not humans. Um, 
Although so you I, probably could fit four small humans in there. Yeah. You know what, Sam? I'll let you do that test and talk about it. I choose. I don't have to. small humans anymore. <laughs> I'm an empty nester. Yeah, I don't have small humans either. Mine are mine are also grown and flown, but they're you know. In college. Maybe my neighbor would let me borrow hers. Okay, so next time <laughs> we don't see how many children you can then we and in the meantime, hey, can if I anybody would, life for a couple of minutes? Yeah, anybody would like <laughs> three to children, three bail children. money, just email us and then when he gets arrested for putting kids in the back of his car, we'll have something to bail him out. <laughs> so <laughs> No. So, pretend it's the eighties. The eighties. Woohoo. So um yeah, so I'm a fan I mean I like the Tucson in any guise. I like it. I I I think it's a good car, I think it's a good value. Even though like I said, you're paying a premium for the plug in hybrid. It's it's if you can afford the premium, it's a great way to get yourself kind of used to the idea of plugging in charging and make that feel like a regular part of your day instead of something weird having to plug in a car. Uh, so I think it's a, it's a nice, happy medium. And you do get a little I mean, 33 miles of all electric range driving around town. You're almost never going to need to use gas. You know, you figure your typical day. Uh, so, yeah. So the 2022 Tucson limited plug in hybrid all wheel drive. There you go. That's what I think. Bada bing. But a bing. Excellent. And um, <laughs> I had uh, a really fantastic car. Uh, actually drove two really fantastic cars. Oh, you had one, two of my, what, my favorite cars, really. One, one, one of which, you know, is actually attainable and the other is not. Um, <laughs> at least for me, anyway. For everybody, uh, for all but two people yeah. listening. <laughs> the, uh, the first was the Toyota GR86. So this is the second generation of the, the Toyota Subaru um jointly developed sports car and oh this car is so good fantastic um, yeah the the new it engine is. you know slightly larger displacement slightly more power you know still doesn't have an overwhelming amount of power and it's it's, it's a great sports car to just drive um with 228 horsepower from the 2.4 cylinder engine now um and they got rid of the the torque hole that was in there in the previous generation model so you don't as you're accelerating, you don't suddenly get a dip and then comes back on again. Um, the I had the the premium, the GR86 premium, with the six-speed manual transmission, uh, which is the really the only way you should buy this is with a six-speed manual. Um, <laughs> I like that. The only way, otherwise, just don't. Yeah, I yeah. should they even I mean, give it off as an automatic. They shouldn't. Yeah, they they do, but you, you shouldn't you shouldn't buy that one. Just buy buy the manual, and if you don't know how to drive a manual, learn, and then go buy one of these. Oh yeah, um, it's it's a fantastic little car. Um, I would if, if I were in Toyota product planning or Subaru product planning, um, I would ditch the rear seat because it's completely useless. <laughs> I I've put someone in the back of my BRZ once, like a human. Um, he was like had to sit like all weird. He's he's yeah. not a he's not he's short. But he still had to like sit all weird and crooked, and I've tucked my dog back there, and both times no one was having a good time. <laughs> I, you know, I'm not as tall as you, Robbie. I'm only five eleven, and with the seat in the right position for me, and my, you know, my proportions, I'm long in the torso. My legs are not exceptionally long, and when I looked back there, there was about an inch between the back of the front seat and the and the back seat. It's like, why? <laughs> Who's you know, gonna I sit mean, back there? Unless you know, unless you are. You know, riding along with Jill Simonello driving, you know, and, and, and Jill, we love, we all love Jill, you know, but she's like, what, 4'11", I think? I, yeah, she's not even five feet. She's a tiny yeah. little thing. Big in personality. T- oh, absolutely. She stature. more than makes up for it. Yes, she um, does. But, you know, and, and if she's got the seat all the way forward, then you might be able to get a modestly sized human in the back seat. Otherwise, it's completely useless. 
Um, but uh, besides that, the only other complaint I have is I wish it, I wish they would offer this as a convertible. But I think you know the the looks of the the new car are are fantastic. It drives great. Um, you know, it, it's a sports car, so it's not a plush ride, but it is more than comfortable enough to deal with Michigan roads. Um, and it's funny when I when I when it was delivered and I went to take some photos of it while it was still clean. Uh, I'm looking at the the tires and the clearly you know probably the guys from Car and Driver had had this one previously oh, and, and been so doing there were their, no tires left at all. It was just a thin. Uh, there was some tread, but the, the shoulders were pretty shredded. Yeah. Um, but. It, this thing is just a hoot to drive. You know, it's got just enough power, you know, to really have fun with it on the road. Um, the uh, uh, there's an eight-inch touchscreen display um, for the uh, for the radio. It's got Android Auto and CarPlay support. Not wireless. It's wired, um, but you know, such as such as the way. Um, and the one I had was in uh, what they call track. I'm not sure if this is supposed to be pronounced track bread or track B red because it's lowercase B and then R E D in uppercase. Oh God. So clearly the, you know, the same people that came up with the BZ four X naming. I bet it's track bread. They're saying Mm. bread because they're trying to be fancy because it's red. It's also made for the track, but a bump. Yeah. Um, So Mm. yeah, this thing was a hoot to drive. The BRZ starts at, uh, uh, for 23, I think it's 20, 27.5, I think, or something like that. Um, and the, the 22 model I was driving was, or sorry, it's 27.9 for 2023 model year. So it went up by 200. The, the one I had starts at 27.7. The premium starts at 30,300. Um, and for that, you get a uh, more powerful audio system, an upgrade from 17 to 18 inch wheels, um, Michelin Pilot Sport tires in place of the premacy all-season tires on the base model uh but overall it you know it's just a it's a fantastic car and if you are looking for a relatively affordable sports car and you don't fit in a miata uh, (laughs) or you don't want a convertible um you know this is a this is the the other best option you know so it's it's either this or miata if you're looking for an affordable sports car um, and I think they're, they're, they're both fantastic. And I, I really like the, G, the new GR86. Uh, oh, and, and also on the premium, you get that ducktail spoiler on the trunk lid, uh, which I think looks, does look a little bit silly, a little bit much, but you know, I can live with it. It's, I it's think so it's much, kind so of cool fun. It's like, no, you don't need that, but it's kind of fun. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, on the track, it, it would give you a little bit of extra, if not downforce, at least less lift on the back end. So that's, yes. that's a good thing. Um, so that someone, is the, oh. someone asked me, I don't know, like a few weeks ago, what's the most fun I've had in a car in the past year and without hesitation, GR86 hmm. on yeah. the Angeles Crest Highway. It's really fun. It's just so much fun. And this is, I, you know, I've driven a lot of cars I, <laughs> and some of them you're like, well, you, this car is worth a hundred and something thousand dollars. You must've had more fun in this. No. No, I didn't. <laughs> is that isn't that like one of the funniest things? And when people ask you about like your favorite car, the best car to drive, and then you make them qualify it like best car, like crazy expensive or what kind. Very often, it's not the most expensive car in the segment. You're like, nope, that top car, yeah, it's got fancy this, fancy that. But you know what was better? This other one. It's ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars less. Like it yeah, doesn't that's... have to be the most expensive car in its class to be the best or the most fun to drive. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, all, all, all in uh, with delivery, the, the GR86 came to $32,432. Uh, so don't, that's don't the forget G- the $15,000 markups that they're charging there for it. Well, there is that. <laughs> if, if you luck out, you might be able to find one, you know, at or near sticker, um, you know. And unfortunately, that's, those, that's a rare instance these days. Um, so that's the GR86. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. The other car that I drove, um, there was actually something else that I drove that we can't talk about till next week. Um, but while I was in California driving that other thing, um, I, I had to get from LAX to Santa Barbara. And uh, Lucid loaned me a Air Grand Touring in Zenith Red. Um, I had previously had a brief opportunity to drive the, the Lucid Air Dream, uh, Dream Edition, the, the launch edition of which they only built 520 back in March when I was in um, Austin for South by Southwest. I had about an hour with it then. This time I had three days with it. And oh, this, is, <laughs> this is such a fantastic car. It, I mean, it's gorgeous. It's roomy, it, it's fast, um, everything, almost everything about it, almost, not quite everything, but almost everything about it is fantastic. Um, yeah, it is expensive. The, uh, the Grand Touring um, is priced at $154,000, so it is not inexpensive. Um, but, you know, unlike some other uh, vehicles, you know, it, it feels very premium in there. You know, the Tesla Model S, you know, even with its upgrades, um, does not feel particularly premium. It doesn't really feel like a $100,000 car, luxury sedan. This thing feels like a $100,000 plus luxury sedan. The mm-hmm. materials, you, you have your choice of either, um, you know, animal leather or vegan leather, um, beautiful fabrics and um, metal trim inside and wood, uh, open pore wood trim, uh, really really nicely executed feels very solid no squeaks and rattles uh even over some some rougher pavement um you know is it was great to drive um i on the way up to lax or up up to santa barbara i took a little detour up through the 
the canyons above Malibu, uh, drove up Latigo Canyon Road and some of the other roads up there, Mulholland. And even though this is a 5,000-pound 5, 5, luxury sedan, you know, it, is, it feels surprisingly nimble. Um, in part because the packaging, you know, it does, it's not as, given the amount of room it has on the inside, you know, it, it doesn't feel huge on the outside. It, you know, it's relative, it's got a relatively compact footprint, but it's really well packaged. And, you know, the trunk, um, uh, in, in the trunk I had, um, I put in, I can, you can put in a standard carry-on bag on its side, like you would in some newer aircraft. So you can fit four carry-ons in the trunk across and also have a little extra space for some odds and ends. Plus, you can also fit another one in the front trunk um, along with some extra space for odds and ends. Um, one, I think from, from a design or usability standpoint, one of the only complaints I have about this is that center screen. So in the infotainment system, you've got the large... Um, display that goes across the top of the dashboard it's actually three there's actually three displays within the housing so there's the instrument cluster the infotainment and then controls for headlights and wipers on the left um, and then there's another display that uh, slots into the dashboard when you press the button or tap the button on the screen it slides out and angles down uh, to make kind of a console and there's a storage bin underneath there um, had some software issues, uh, which is not unusual mm. on many new cars. We had software issues on the Cadillac Lyric, um, and there, you know, a lot of newer vehicles are having software issues early on. Uh, I was talking with the guys from Lucid the other day. They've actually got a major new OTA update going out uh, this week, actually, that should hopefully address a lot of those things. Um, <clears throat> one of the issues I had was relatively long boot-up time when you first get in the car for the whole system to be up and running. Um, they said they've cut uh, cut the boot up time by about 80%, uh, which may, should make a huge difference. Um, hopefully it also addresses some stability issues. Um, and uh, one issue I had on, on one day, uh, heading out from the hotel, I went, I uh, used the, the voice recognition to put in a destination and the navigation, and it said, you know, um, uh, here, here are the directions to Presque Isle Winery. And then that was it. It just locked <laughs> up solid. The The top screen was blank uh, in the center. The lower screen still had the map on it, uh, but nothing was responded. It was completely locked solid. Um, I went ahead, I pulled up the directions on my phone and just uh, turned on the, the voice prompts uh, and stuck it in the cup holder. Um, and drove for a while, think you know, just to see if it would reset itself, if it would time out and reset itself. It never did. After about uh, 15 or 20 minutes, I pulled over, looked up directions for how to reboot Lucid Air, and found it. And it, it's actually pretty straightforward. It's more straightforward than it sounds. Um, if if it if the system locks up or doesn't respond, all you got to do is just turn on one of the turn signals, um, and then step out of the car, lock the door with the key card, and step out of range of the key fob and the key card, so about 20, 25 feet away, and just wait until the turn signal stops. Um, and that's your indicator that, hey, the system has turned off and is restarting itself. Um, and then you can get back in, and it was good to go. Um, the um, But having that screen down below with the navigation stuff down there and some of the media stuff down there, 
it's kind of down down kind of low and you you're looking down away from the road to use that which i thought you know was not great um but and the, and the other thing is if you're whatever you're you're using whether you're using navigation or media stuff it's showing you basically the same thing it's showing you navigation stuff on the top screen and on the lower screen or media stuff on the top screen and the lower screen it's showing you different stuff um you know so you have you know some extra controls on the lower screen but what i'd like is to have say navigation up top and media stuff down below or vice versa you know be able to switch switch them around uh, and i think that's that's something that's coming in future software updates um and it's it's a relatively minor uh complaint uh but overall you know i loved driving this car 819 horsepower in the one i had uh, with the 21 inch wheels i think it's uh rated at a uh, about 420 miles of range. Um, I was driving at a relatively brisk pace um, and got a little less than 400, um, or I was on pace for a little less than 400. Um, but uh, no, it was, it was fantastic. I loved it. Um, and if I had if I had 150 grand to spend on a car, I would seriously consider it. <laughs> it's it's beautiful. I love the Lucid. I think it's great. I too I drove that Dream Edition like you did um, a while back and had nothing but good things to say with it. I, don't, I didn't drive it for a terribly long time. It was a very short drive that I got in it, so I didn't have any glitchy stuff, but it was fantastic. And I still can't get over this. The, I, I'm a style person. It is such a neat and interesting way to do a luxury car. It is, it's very simple and very clean and very streamlined, but it feels every bit like it's a car that costs $150,000. It's just gorgeous. I love it. Especially when you get the combination of kind of the the aluminum roof and then the the lower lower body in a different color that, that contrast you know it looks really yeah. good. Oh, I, I guess one other thing I should highlight about the the interior, um, the the controls. You know, I think they've done a good balance of physical controls and touch controls. Um, and the things the things you're likely to use most often, temperature, fan speed, volume. Those are they're physical controls for that. So there's a row of rockers along the middle of the dash, so below the upper screen and above the lower screen. So you can just tap that up or down to raise the temp, raise or lower the temperature or the fan speed. Um, a roller for the volume control. Um, you've got you know regular turn signals and and shifter on the the steering column. Uh, so you know I think they've they've found a a decent balance there. Um, without you know that that gives you enough physical controls without cluttering up the interior. Mm -hmm. I'd agree. All right, uh, let's see. Next up, uh, stay with EVs. Got got. There's a bunch of electric related news this week. EV news. Uh, actually, let let me start with with this one. Um, before we started recording, I was telling Nicole we had a, a major um, storm that swung through here uh, last Monday. And our power went out um, for about 24 hours. Um, and when I, I called into the utility to let them know, you know, to report the outage, um, I was having a lot of trouble getting through. The phone system was apparently getting overloaded. Their website was getting overloaded. Um, finally managed to report the outage, uh, trying to get a status update, estimate of when it might be back. They weren't even offering status updates until, you know, or, as late as you know 18 hours later i still couldn't get still said you know we can't we can't give you an uh, an estimate yet so it looked like power was going to be out for a while 
Fortunately, we have a generator, a portable generator that I bought 18 years ago, 19 years ago, um, when we had the, the big East, East Coast blackout. Um, I had a, had that generator, so I pulled that out, fired it up to uh, power, at least keep the refrigerators and you know some lights and a few other things powered. And the next morning, I got a call from somebody at Ford saying, hey, you know your power's out. Uh, would you like us to send over a lightning? to use no way. as a generator. Uh, and, oh, and at first so I was cool. going to say I was going to say no, I, you know, cuz I had a generator, a gas generator that was running. But I, then I realized, yeah, but a bunch of my neighbors don't have generators. Right? So, if you, I said, yeah, if you want to send it over, then I can loan my generator to one of the neighbors and, you know, g- give them power. So they brought over a, a lightning net afternoon. They got got to our place about 5 o'clock. Um, I got everything plugged in, transferred over from my generator, and I was about to roll the the my, my gas generator over to the neighbor's house, and then the power comes back. Of course it does. Of course. <laughs> but you know, it did it did work really well. You know, I just ran ran a couple of extension cords from the truck, plugged into the truck, ran them in through the garage door, um, powered the upstairs refrigerator and the the other refrigerator downstairs. Uh, hooked up some lights, had laptops charging, uh, a few other things, and it was pulling all that, and it was pulling less than 400 watts. From the truck, so it could have gone wow. on for a long you know, while, a couple, at least a couple of weeks, you know, at that rate. Um, so, um, thank you to, to Ford for offering. Um, and uh, you know, if, if we if our power had stayed out for a few more days, as it did in many parts of the region, um, you know, fortunately, the problem in our neighborhood here was a relatively minor one, and they were able to fix it quickly, um, relatively quickly, but uh, you know. It, if you've if you've got a, a lightning or a hybrid F one fifty, you know, with the pro power on board, you know, you're you'll be all set the next time your uh, your power goes out. Did you see the link I just popped into the show notes about the Rivian? Uh, oh yes. Yeah. I, I felt like this was relevant to mention right now. Yeah. So Go ahead and t- talk I thought this story, so talking about using your, your EV to do other things, this headline is, this doctor used his Rivian R1T to complete a vasectomy. Not even a joke. He literally used, they ran out of power, and this doctor used it to power the clinic to complete this, to do this patient's vasectomy. And it was like, he didn't want to have As to reschedule it. Yeah, he's like. Yeah, I mean, I, that's not the kind of thing, kind of job you want to leave half done. Right. Well, I don't yeah. think he said. He said. He said. Power in the clinic went out. This is the quote from the story. Power in the clinic went out. Patient didn't want to reschedule because he already had time off. The electrocautery was normal. The procedure went great. And he literally has a picture of his Rivian parked out front. You can see the cord just kind of going inside <laughs> through the door of the clinic and. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was hilarious. I'm like, I thought this was a joke at first. But I'm like, no, I've seen it everywhere. And it's this is over on Motor One. They have it up there as a story. And I'm like, wow. I, I want Ford to demonstrate that. Here, we got some other ideas for you, people. <laughs> got some other things. Well, the whole, I mean, I think there's, there, you know, I, every once in a while I get like, well, you know, because we're like in California, it's really hot. There's a heat wave. So they're at, they have flex and they're asking us not to turn on the air conditioning between like right. one and five, you know, the hottest time of the day. You know, they're asking us to, 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 and so people always point to that like, see, see if we had EV, if everyone had an EV, the whole thing would collapse. I'm like, well, I don't think you're really thinking this through because A, we all charge, if you're smart, you charge EV at night where electricity is like half the price. Right. And also, if I had an EV that had, uh, you know, vehicle to load, I could run my air conditioner off of my car instead of using <laughs> the system. Exactly. Well, or, that, or I could reduce the load of the entire network. <laughs> yeah, well, and this is exactly what uh, PG&E's 
doing a test with right now with GM and with Ford uh, using the bi-directional charging capabilities, the vehicle-to-load capabilities. Um, you know, so right now with Ford, with their intelligent power backup system, that's all managed locally. So if you're, it, the, the integration switch uh, detects if your power goes out and it flips the transfer switch over and starts drawing power from your truck until the power comes back. But um, what, uh, what PG&E is doing, and, and also some other utilities are also doing similar tests, is remotely managing that. So that if your truck is, parked in, is plugged in during the day and has enough charge, then what they can do is when they're seeing that, that load climbing up near the limits, they can send a signal out uh, to, to people's homes if you've, if you've opted in um, and basically take your house off the grid for an hour or two or three mm-hmm. uh, and just run it off the, off the vehicle. And then as the load comes back down, then they can flip it back over and, and recharge your vehicle again. Uh, so this is the kind of thing we're going to see a lot more of um, going, going forward into the future is, is that load balancing or load leveling using these vehicles. And, uh, a, you know, one, one, one case where that's going to work really well is with school buses. You know, electric school buses are getting more and more popular. And for stuff like this, it's, it's actually an ideal use case because of the way that electric school, the, the duty cycle for electric school buses, you know, they go out in the morning, you know, pick up the kids, take them to school. They go out in the afternoon, later in the afternoon, pick up the kids and take them home. You know, and then during the middle of the day, they're usually just sitting there in the bus barn, you know, and if they're electric, they can be plugged in and they can be used as this load balancing system for the grid. And this isn't actually new. This is because uh, we have the things called peakers. So mm-hmm. as as the the grid gets taxed, uh, usually these dirty peakers, like they're just crap. There's old power stations, and they spin them up, and then those take help you know balance the load. Uh, but you know they're, they're they're just trash. They're just old power stations. They're not that great. And so what they start doing in California and Hawaii is they you know in Australia is using essentially power walls. You know Tesla has. So they're using batteries in order to to reduce to to reduce the use of peakers mm-hmm. so and so as the as the as the uh, more and more people need more electricity these batteries can instantly add electricity to to the grid uh this is ex- pretty much the same thing except the batteries are everywhere mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah they, to... they, call, they call it a virtual power plant yeah um where you know you have you have a bunch of vehicles out there with you know with batteries in them utilize those batteries you know for short periods and you can cycle through you don't necessarily need all you need to use all the vehicles that are plugged in you know you can run it you know run a vehicle for you know run off a vehicle for an hour or two and then and shuttle shuttle around to different vehicles yeah no it's it's i think there's 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 sort of a misunderstanding of how evs can actually contribute to the grid as opposed to being these giant sucks from yeah and they were like oh they're gonna destroy i'm like oh i and it's 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 kind of difficult to explain because if you don't have an ev if you don't understand how the grid works there's a lot of explaining to do in order to 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 get that aha moment from people and of course there are people who just don't want to listen they're just like no no yeah no yeah all right so staying with the evs um buick um this week announced that they are um, going to be offering buyouts to dealers uh, to buy back their franchises if the dealers for dealers that don't want to make the investment to go electric because back in June I think you know Buick announced that yeah we're 
the brand's going to go all electric, you know, before the end of this decade, just like, you know, just like Cadillac. Um, and when Cadillac announced this in 2020, they did the same thing for their dealers. They said, look, you know, we know that there's a bunch of dealers that don't actually sell very many cars. And, um, you know, we're going electric. And if you don't want to spend the two hundred and fifty, three hundred thousand dollars that you've got to invest, you know, to put in chargers and training for your technicians and spare parts inventory and things like that, you know, that's fine. You know, let us know. We'll buy back your we'll buy back your franchise and you don't have to sell Cadillacs anymore. Now Buick's doing the same thing. With Cadillac, um, almost a third of their over a little over eight hundred dealers that they had at the beginning of twenty twenty opted for the buyback. So I think they're down to somewhere around 550 dealers now. But it turns out that, you know, those, those dealers that are left accounted for about 90% of Cadillac sales anyway. Um, so most of those dealers that took the buyouts were not selling very many cars. Uh, and um, I think we're going to see more brands going down this path over the next few years um, and <clears throat> buying out dealers that don't want to support EVs. It doesn't sound like a bad idea either, idea either, even if it's just not a matter of like, well, we're not going to support EVs and don't want to invest. But if you just have underperforming dealerships, it's a great way to sort of cull the herd a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah get out of it. <laughs> you know, like things aren't working really, so hard with my yeah, Cadillac dealership where like, I sell two cars a year. Right, like maybe oh, it's not worth no. it to have a Cadillac dealership that looks like that one and then only sells two cars. Let's let's let them gracefully exit to the market. Yeah. You know, yeah. everybody wins. Yep. And, you know, they, they kind of did some of that back in 2009 when they went through bankruptcy. They got rid of a bunch of dealers. But there they did it, you know, they did it kind of arbitrarily, and they didn't pay out the dealers, or at least didn't pay out most of the dealers. Here, you know, it's it's completely voluntary on the part, part of the dealers, and they're getting a pretty decent payout for their franchise. So it's, you know, I think I think it's a good idea. It's a good approach for the manufacturers to take. It definitely looks better for the brand if the dealerships they have look vital and engaged mm-hmm. in her, as opposed to like, you know, uh, cobwebs, <laughs> cobwebs yeah. in the corner. Like you want to get rid of those. You don't want that to be the impression of how excited people are about your car. <laughs> you, you still you still have a brand new 2004 DTS sitting over there in the corner. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Maybe that's not so great. <laughs> yeah. Look, we'll buy out your franchise and we'll buy that DTS. Yeah, we'll take, we'll it, take it back. <laughs> Okay. Um, Toyota has been one of the major automakers that's been, let's say, less enthusiastic about battery EVs. Uh, although that's been that's been sh- that's actually been shifting quite a bit over the past twelve months. You know, they've they've a couple of times now adjusted where they expect their their sales targets for BEVs to be by the end of the decade, uh, and they're up to now projecting about or targeting about thirty percent EV sales by twenty thirty. Uh, globally, which is, which is, you know, a lot better than 15% that it was a year ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, announced this week that they're converting two of their major engine plants in Japan uh, over to building batteries. Their Shimoyama and Miyochi uh, engine plants are going to become battery plants over the next couple of years um, and uh, start building batteries. And... They had previous earlier this year they announced plans for um, a battery plant in North Carolina, which at the time they announced it was about a 1.3 billion investment, and they were going to uh, only build hybrid batteries there. Um, they've now almost tripled that. They've added another two and a half billion, and they are going to build 
uh, batteries for EVs in addition to hybrids. Uh, so it's it's about uh, um, what what's that amount to? Uh, 3.8 billion dollar investment now um, going into this North Carolina plant with about 2,000 employees uh, working there building batteries. You know, it's uh, I feel like a broken record. It's not a it's not a sprint. It's a marathon when it comes to EVs. Mm-hmm. Um, Toyota's been very vocal about how much they don't want to build EVs <laughs> in the past. <laughs> and I think, you know, and then the the sort of wheels falling off of their current EVs is, you know. Literally. Literally yeah, falling no, off. That's their, just like literally, <laughs> truly, actually they are falling off. Um, but I think, you know, they're coming around and they're realizing like, oh, uh, we really have to like invest in this. We want to make sure we don't get left behind. Uh, you know, there's, I don't know if they were waiting for the, what was going to happen in California, which, you know, there was an executive order two years ago for 2035. And now everyone's like, yeah, yeah, we're going to make it. So it's EV only in 2035, which is, I think they were just like, oh, it's the biggest market. Okay. We're looking at the actual business case for this and we're like, fine, fine, we'll do it. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I'm hoping there's some enthusiasm within Toyota that'll to, to make this happen that's more than just business-based. And uh, a GR, uh, electric GR86 would be dope. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> but then <laughs> they have that, that little... there just in case. They also have, like, one of the gr- best-looking EV concepts that might come to, uh, the, um, to market was, like, the little their little FJ, the tiny FJ Cruiser EV yeah, that they showed off a few, like, a year. Yeah. Was, yeah bring yeah, it last to market. December. You're just going to sell one... It's a, you're going to sell a billion of those things. Just throw a really nice EV powertrain in there, bring it to market, and then just watch the Make sure the wheels are bolted on tight. Right. Keep the, Little yeah, details. The Make wheels the wheels on. stay on. That's It's small requests people have. Can the wheels uh, please stay on the vehicle? Okay, thanks. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that thing is going to be – that thing's going to sell like gangbusters. Yeah, okay, hopefully gangbusters. they will build that. Um, but, uh, you know, it's not just EVs. For Toyota, or not not just battery EVs for Toyota, um, and and for and other automakers like BMW, um, they're still big on fuel cells. Uh, week before last, um, Toyota did an event here in town at the American Center for Mobility, and I had a chance to go for a ride in a fuel cell semi, a fuel cell Kenworth T680. Ooh. Yeah, um, it's pretty amazing how fast an electric uh, semi will accelerate, especially when there's no trailer hooked up. Um, but, uh, you know, the, they've been testing these, um, for, they're on their second generation right now. They've been testing these for a few years in the port of Long Beach and the port of Los Angeles. Um, and the, the latest generation version of it's got a range of 300 miles, um, with, that's with a full load. So at 80 tons or 40 tons, sorry, 80,000 pounds, it can go 300 miles and recharge and refuel in, uh, between 10 and 15 minutes. Um, which is pretty impressive, um, and and for for big vehicles like that, fuel oh, cells are a great solution. That's the great that, and I think that's how we're going to end up with fuel cells in regular cars. Is that we're going to build out a network for the for these mm-hmm. large these large uh, semis, you know, across the interstates for them to move with fuel cells because fuel cells make perfect sense for a, a semi and for long haul trucking, and then from that. You know, we'll get like little spider webs out where like, oh, let's pull a little fuel. You know, I got a Mirai and I live in Ohio and I live near like a, you know, Rotten Robbie's <laughs> and now <laughs> I can uh, <laughs> or a pilot or whatever. And you know what? There's another, you know what? I'm going to put a fuel cell station, you know, 
five miles, 15 miles in from the from the uh, from the interstate. So I think that's that's how we're going to get fuel cell vehicles. But it's going to definitely be it, it makes way more sense for semis and long haul trucking than for just passenger cars in this country. In Japan and North Korea or Japan and in Korea, it's you know, they, it's they there's fuel cell. You know, there's actual infrastructure. But here, I think it's going to be trucking before it's anything else. Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, with, with trucking, you know, the business case for trucking, you know, truckers make their revenue based on the poundage of freight that they can carry. And they're, they're weight limited to 40 tons in, in most states, except for Michigan, unfortunately, um, where they, you know, run 80 tons and destroy our roads. But that's that a whole other so issue. That makes so much sense. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, um, they're they're typically limited to forty tons, and you know so the weight of you take the weight of the truck out of that, and that's how much payload you can carry. And with the the fuel cell truck, it weighs roughly the same as a current diesel truck, um, even even with uh, the hydrogen tanks on it. Whereas the um, a battery electric truck is typically going to be hauling about somewhere between for long haul somewhere between 10 and 15,000 pounds of batteries. That's 10 or 15,000 pounds of freight that you can't carry, that you can't generate revenue from. That's just dead weight that you're dragging everywhere around. Mm -hmm. And so from a business case for long-haul trucking, bat batteries are fine. Battery electric is fine for, like, day cabs, you know, short haul, you know, around town or, you know, short regional runs. But for long-haul transcontinental, the battery electric makes no sense at all. Yeah. Um, but the other thing uh, got with fuel cells is um, BMW announced this week that they are starting production of fuel cell stacks, and they partnered with Toyota on this. Uh, so they're using Toyota technology for their fuel cells. Um, they're starting production in Munich of fuel cell stacks, and they're building a, uh, a fleet of BMW iX5 hydrogen SUVs. So they're fuel cell uh, X5s that they're going to be testing in Germany. Um, starting, excuse me, towards the end of the year. Um, and uh, so that's, you know, that's another use case, you know, larger SUVs and stuff like that, where they, the fuel cell stack, um, you know, it can be better, it can be packaged and uh, you can get, you know, faster refueling time with it than you can with a battery um, and, uh, uh, and, and still have zero emissions. Yeah, it's, I again, it's just that infrastructure. That's all. Yeah. It's just that's that's what it comes down to. And and I know it's, for years Toyota and California kept crowing about how we're going to have 160 stations, we're going to have 150 stations, we're going to have 200 stations, we're going to have 20, you know, 200, you know, 120 stations, and then like one station would be built a year. And it's you know it's 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 chicken and egg. And if you can charge your car really almost anywhere because electricity is everywhere versus I have to go to a special place to fuel my car and the place is only available in Northern California, Southern California and parts of New England. It gets hard to like make a business case and hard to sort of expand that infrastructure beyond piggybacking on like, you know, buses. And that's what yeah. that's. The <laughs> well, there, right now in the United States, there's a grand total of 54 hydrogen fueling stations. Whew. In the whole in the whole country? In the whole country. And I'm 54. Think all of those are in California. They're all near my house. Everything's near my house. Jeez. <laughs> there is one in uh, in Tahoe or Carson City. Uh there's a bunch of them around the San Francisco area. There's a few around Sacramento. Um there's one in 
in the Central Valley. Um, so if you're driving oh, yeah. from the L.A. area. Uh, and then there's the a bunch around, around the Los Angeles area. What's scary and is one that in Santa Barbara. a lot of times they're like sort of out of – they'll be out of commission – and at one point, yeah. they, there was a fuel, there was a hydrogen shortage, <laughs> so people were like, "There's very few uh, fueling stations, and sometimes they don't work." And then, yeah. like twenty percent of the time, they don't work. Is is what I've figured. When you look at the That's, list, yeah. like twenty percent of them are just like, "Sorry, it doesn't work right now." And then sometimes they just run out of hydrogen. Wait, I think there's. I'm looking at some <clears throat> random map for the Massachusetts. It's a mass.gov thing, so something on this Massachusetts. And there's one outside of Boston, one outside of Hartford, one outside of New York, and one between New York and, like, Hartford, Connecticut. So f- there's nothing in New Hampshire, apparently. So basically in the entire Northeast, we've got four. <laughs> and they're probably for buses. <clears throat> I think yeah. there's... They're showing yeah, I, th- pic- I think, the, yeah, I think I those are all for private fleets. I don't, I think don't even think. Are... I know. They're implying that they're not in these little happy pictures. I'm like, I don't. One is behind a gate that looks honest to God like it's in like a prison. I feel like those aren't accessible to the public. <laughs> well, the, the, the one that I typically would go to is in Emeryville. And there is a giant. There's a wall along the street because inside is a giant bus facility for for the regional you know transit system. Okay. And there's wall, wall, wall. And then there's like sort of a carve out where the wall sort of dips in, and then back out. And in that sort of dip in, in that little like a little parking structure, like when you go to register for your hotel when you pull in, it's just like that. Except there's two fuel. There's two hydrogen uh, pumps. <laughs> And because it's I've like been... it's like on the outside of the, the the bus thing, and you're just like, and that's the one I I would just go to whenever I had them because I knew the buses need hydrogen, yeah. <laughs> so that's the place that I can trust that'll be fine. Where the <laughs> buses like, will actually have them and they'll work. <laughs> yeah, the buses need hydrogen, so they got to have the hydrogen. <laughs> uh, all right, um, and then one last story. So we've all heard about issues with battery fires. Um, and you know, that's not a good thing, but the, the reality is that the, the frequency of battery fires is still a tiny fraction of the frequency of gasoline engine fires. Um, you know, it's about one, it's less than, less than one tenth of the number for given relative to the number of vehicles on the road. Um, so this German insurance company, AXA decided to do this demo, this crash demo where they took a, a Tesla and they um, dragged it up a ramp, you know, to, to have, have it flip over. Um, and then it caught fire. And they tried to imply that, eh, you know, EVs are dangerous, you know, and it catches fire when it crashes. Except that in this particular, you know, if an accident like this one, you know, where it had run up some kind of ramp and flipped over and then scraped along on its roof, um, had happened, it almost certainly would not have done any damage to the battery. <laughs> and in fact, the car that they used for the demonstration didn't even have a battery in it. It was they took the battery out of the Tesla. Oh gosh! And they they rigged it up to catch fire to show it on fire. Dun dun dun! This is I like G- remember uh, was it twenty twenty or sixty minutes in the eighties um, or nineties with the GMC. They it stuck, was, they stuck uh, SD, fire, uh, SD rocket it was, engines? No, it was NBC. It was Dateline. Oh, Dateline. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, yeah, they did that with uh, with the old Chevy pickups with the side saddle tanks. Yep. And yeah, it's like they, no, just don't do this. They have this whole statement like, well, you know, we're simulating things and we take precautions to to you know keep people safe. There's like the whole statement here, and it's like. But it was fake. <laughs> yeah, but, you, but it was fake. <laughs> but the whole thing yeah. was fake. If you wanted to be like, this could potentially happen, dramatization not real at the bottom, that's one thing. But <laughs> this is what it looks like, no, only if you stick fireworks yeah. in your Tesla. <laughs> and, and the thing is, you know, actually, it, if you watch this video, you know, we'll <laughs> include it in the show notes, you see this Tesla, you know, flip over and it's scraping along on its roof. And actually, uh, the, the roof structure held up. <laughs> That's what you I'm know, thinking. If this was, actually, if it's actually like, like hey, skimmed along on the is. roof, yeah, because like, I didn't play it's it great. on the plate. But it's like the roof looks like. I'm like, wow, that's pretty sturdy. It's like still perfectly yeah. curved and everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are genuine safety issues with Teslas. Yeah, that have nothing is, to do with the battery. Correct. Or the, I feel like this or, isn't or one. The, the structure. Yeah. Yep. And they, yeah. They highlighted entirely the wrong thing, and faked it. So this is well, it's funny because, you know, Elon Just Musk test. and Tesla are like, we're building up our, our lawyers. And, you know, they were going to go after, I don't know, I guess, journalists or who knows. I, who knows what Elon's thinking most of the time. But I'm like, oh, oh, this is the thing you should be using all those lawyers for. Because <laughs> this is a, this is another company essentially saying, yeah, if you roll a Tesla over for reasons that make no sense, it will catch on fire. <laughs> Womp, oh my womp. gosh, that's yeah. ridiculous. Someone's getting sued. But, <laughs> but but if you do get into a crash in an EV and you see smoke, you know, and the, it looks like the battery's going to catch on fire, get away from the vehicle as quickly yeah. as you can. I mean, well, anytime, actually, any vehicle. Any vehicle. If you smell vehicle. smoke, yeah. get away from it. Go do away not, from vehicle. Do not yeah. try to put it out yourself. Just get get back away from it as soon as you as quickly get as away. you can. Run away. Yeah. Just fire. Fire bad. Run away. Run away. Fire Call bad. for help. Run away. Yep. Yeah. Did you know you can support Wheelbearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. All right. Let's answer a few listener questions. Um, first up from Bryn Berenshausen, uh, why did Mazda not do the Miata as their first low range EV? They would have sold a boatload versus the mistake that, that is the <laughs> MX-30 EV. Lower range in a sport coupe convertible would make more sense than a compact crossover. And actually, when I was in LA last week, I actually saw an, an MX-30 in the wild. You know, with, oh my with God! Someone not a manufacturer one? plate. Didn't they? Well, didn't, didn't even make that many. Wasn't it? Five hundred and some. Did just they for sell Cal- mostly and some? I think well, they have to for California. California. Yeah, yeah, they was they were all sold in California, um, and and they they sell them in Europe as well. So I'm I'm not sure I haven't looked up the number sales numbers for Europe, but yeah, they still sold good about for you. Whoever chose to buy that, why yeah. we don't know, was, but good for well, you. Well, it's probably a Mazda employee. <laughs> oh, that's true. So he didn't buy it. He got it at a I mean, discount. if you got a really good deal, if Mazda's like we're gonna, you know, if it's like ninety nine dollars a month, like the Fiat five hundred e. I think yeah, I would totally, like I would totally get an MX-30 EV. I, 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 I like the <laughs> interior. It doesn't drive like a Mazda, which is unfortunate, but the interior is really nice, and it has the no, cool the interior, little... It is really cool, except it also has that cork. It has that cork Oh, it's just going to... I like the cork. The cork is really cork, cool. I like the cork, but it's going to get filthy. 
Exactly. Until you think about it, it doesn't even have to be kids in your car. Like, I know how bad I am with my large iced coffee sitting here that I've dripped on myself half a dozen times sitting at my desk. What is going to happen to the center console in my car when I put this coffee in it? I'm going to drip it on, and then it's going to be in the cork, and this could be sticky, and there's going to be mar- – it's going to be – it's beautiful if you don't ever touch it. That's not going to happen. I'm going to look up MX-30 leases right now. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie's about ready to get a new car. <laughs> I'm going to get an MX-30. But- but but as to the question of, of why they didn't do the Miata, I think it <laughs> mainly comes down to um, they. I think they probably felt that they they couldn't maintain the Miata's driving dynamics That's what <clears> I right would now think. with, with mm-hmm. an EV. They could they couldn't squeeze in enough battery to be useful and still maintain the the driving character that they wanted. And that whole, and they have the yeah. whole what the fifty fifty weight distribution that yeah. they're so picky. I'm like, I bet it would be like impossible it's, to get that to, yeah. to make that Who's, handle the way a miata should handle i bet it would compromise it too much well I, th- I think toyota's battery whose battery technology did he use for the mx3 was it toyota no no i don't know they never yeah. said okay they never so, said whose battery by the way Robbie, yeah. you can't get the mx30 because it's sold out is it sold out that's yeah. what it says yeah, when they, i go on their website they sold all sold the ones out. that they plan to bring here for 22 model year it is oh. gone, so you may there, not there have There may one. or may not be 23s. They haven't said yet. Oh, it's zero gone. results found. Yeah, I can't find. Oh, wait. Let me let me expand it the, the range to out. 250 miles. Um, but, uh, they, you know, they could put the battery uh, down the center tunnel of the Miata, you know, and kind of mm-hmm. have, you know, sort of a T-shaped battery with a little bit in the front and then, you know, maybe some in the back ahead of the yeah. rear axle. But it, it would be tough to get enough range to be useful, even in a Miata, and still yeah. keep the weight and the driving dynamics where they want. I feel like it um, would be worse for them to, like, if they put it in, they could make it drive like a Miata, cool. But if it didn't drive like a Miata, oh, that would be yeah, horrifying. That would, that would be worse than building the MX-30, which people are so, you know, for its drawbacks so to, to mess up a Miata. Like, don't mess up Ooh, the Miata. Don't, mess don't up do me. I mean, that. I a- people will come after you. <laughs> Yeah, don't mess yeah. up the Miata. It's you know they they they're 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 not a big automaker. They're not Toyota. They're not Honda. It's going to be a little bit for them to get the 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 battery technology to where it needs to be before they can yeah, shove it in a Miata. I agree. But when they do, people, yeah, you're right. They're people. They're going to sell a bunch of these things. All right, James Gardner asked uh, current state of supply chains and dealer inventories uh, and availability from you in, from your insiders. Craptastic. Craptacular. <laughs> yeah, I was just talking to one of my neighbors the other day, um, and they're, or, oh, sorry, it was a friend of ours, um, and they were getting a new CRV for their daughter, mm-hmm. uh, whose uh, old Chevy Sonic died, and it took them four months Oof. to get it from the time they ordered it. Wow. Um, so it actually it depends a lot on which brand you're going for. Some brands are worse than others. Um, Honda and Toyota are still having some really severe constraints. Um, and I think back in June, Toyota was saying they had typically like four days supply. Yeah, it was really inventory. ridiculously small. Yeah. yeah. Um, Honda, is, Honda is also still really bad. Um, Ford and GM uh, situation has gotten better. Uh, Stellantis is also a little better. Um but so it, it varies. But even you know, even for Ford and GM, you know, they're still they're still struggling with supplies um, and getting enough. Like GM, I think this week uh, came out that uh, their ship, and it's not just things like chips. Um, you know, it's all kinds of different things. Yeah. They started shipping uh, pickup trucks without the underhood liner, the noise liner that goes underneath the hood. 
And really? you know, they said when when we get those in, you know, we'll give we'll send you a note and you can come into the dealer and they'll install it for you. Wow. I have such concerns with doing that. I mean, I totally get it if you really want your vehicle, but like I want the guy who puts the parts on my car, the original parts, to be a guy who does that all day, every day for a living. I don't want That's it to be the jam. dealership. <laughs> I want that to be his jam. Like I can install a hood liner like a boss, not like, how's this go on? Like I don't want that. <laughs> I don't want <laughs> someone looking nervous. at YouTube putting this hood liner yeah. on. <laughs> and I'm not trying to knock the mechanics of the dealerships. They know what they're doing, but it's like the guys at the they put them together from the get go, they do this all the time. <laughs> the headliner guy, like they're like Hey, um, you can. You, we we need to rotate. He's like, no, no, no. I'm good. No, I just do headliners, <laughs> dude. That's all I do. I do. All day, I, do <laughs> I do hood. I do hood headliners <laughs> to reduce else. noise. And I do them awesomely. <laughs> I'm the king. All right. Uh, Andrew Pappas uh, asked. Jim Farley said that uh, Ford wouldn't make an EV like the Lyric because that the the vehicle has a traditional hood. Has he ever looked at his own Mach E? And so this actually came from an interview that uh, Farley did with. Uh, Eileen, uh, your co-host on Fast Woman, uh, Nicole, yes, uh, in Newsweek, and uh, in that he um, he he was talking about you know the, the the lyric you know maybe not looking quite enough out there, quite different enough, uh, which I, you know I think that you know he's maybe going a little overboard. I I can't I think there's one legitimate complaint you could make about the lyric in terms of the design which is that given the length of the hood and the proportions of this thing, which are, which do look fairly traditional, you know, it's got quite a bit of space between the, the firewall or the bulkhead and the front end of the vehicle. Mm-hmm. And they opted not to put um, a front storage area in there, a front trunk. Did they, did they say why? Was there a reason that Cadillac gave? The, the, the reason that Cadillac gave, which I don't entirely buy into, is you know, that they were package protecting to, you know, to allow for the all-wheel drive model, uh, and, you know, they packaged all the electronics and the climate control stuff under the hood. And when we were out there in Park City in June to drive it, um, we actually opened the hood and, and popped off the plastic cover that's yeah. there. There's a big empty space. There's a big empty space. Even uh. even when you account for where the motor is going to be, which is down pretty low, there's easily enough space in there, you know, to give you at least some storage area. Yeah, that feels like a ridiculous excuse because it's like, okay, so right now cars have engines and mm-hmm. they have all-wheel drive. So you don't have to – it's not like you have to come up with – it's not like all-wheel drive is a new concept. Like currently there are cars with both those features. How so if you just take the engine out – wheels to turn? We sh- yeah, we should have space where the engine was even if the all-wheel drive components are still there. I know engineering things have to move around, but still, it shouldn't require – there's going to be space. Well, you know, I mean, the, the Lucid, you know, is a perfect example. It does not have a particularly long hood. You know, it's not, you know, it, it's got a fairly compact front end. And it's got a motor in there driving the front wheels with, you know, 400 plus horsepower. And it's got a front trunk yeah. big enough to hold a standard carry-on bag. Right. You know, that will go in the over, overhead compartment. I feel so, like the explanation from Cadillac is not adequate. Yeah, and, I need more information, know, Cadillac. To, to be fair, yes. Cadillac's not the only one. You know, BMW no. uh, is pretty bad about this as well. Doesn't the Subaru that what's the Subaru that I can't think of the name of because I'm drawing Solterra. a sudden like, Doesn't that not have a frunk too? Probably. Uh, it's also it's a Toyota BZ. Yeah, I know, but something. doesn't I don't think it has a frunk. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, in the oh. case in the case of the Solterra and the BZ4X, they um, you know it does have a relatively short area and they've got all the electronics stacked up on top of the front motor. So the, like the, um, in the case of the, the Lyric, the Lyric is rear wheel drive or all wheel drive. Yeah. The, the Solterra and BZ4X 
um, are front wheel drive and all wheel drive. So they've always got the, the, it's always got a front motor and all the electronics are stacked up on top of that. Um, so there, there really isn't much room there to do it yeah. on the, on those vehicles. But okay. the Lyric is definitely big enough. The Lyric is big. They, yeah. They could do that they if, get they, along. if yeah. they chose to, but they've opted not to. And my understanding is the, the Celestic is the same thing. They also do not have a front trunk in the Celestic. Um, I mean, the frunk is one of the coolest things about getting an EV. I just like to open the... I, that's cool. I want that. I think I will not buy an EV that doesn't have a frunk. I don't care if it's only big enough for like like a juice box and a sandwich. <laughs> I want there to be a frunk in there. <laughs> but, you know, to, to what Farley said, uh, you know, at least, you know, in the case of both the, the Mach-E and the F-150, you know, they've got a traditional hood, but they also have pretty good-sized front trunks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can throw a whole other car inside the. Oh, so the F one fifty. It's like that's your car. That's a spot to put. You can your almost other put car, an MX thirty like in there. Just yeah, yeah just put a little MX thirty in when you get there. You can pop that out. <laughs> Charge it up. Head on around. Yeah, there you go. Um, okay, X Light uh, says third gen Chevy Colorado and the two point seven with varying outputs. Are the engine internals exactly the same? The only difference being in software. Are tuned upgrades offered? Um, so there's. Three variants. There's two high output variants and a standard output variant. There are differences. They, they use the same block and head and everything, but there are some different mechan- hardware differences between the base 2.7 turbo and the high output versions. I think pistons are different. Maybe the turbo and some some other things because there's a quite a bit of difference. I mean, you will probably be able to get more power out of the base version um, with uh, with a software tune, um, whether GM's planning on offering anything like that from the factory. I don't know. Um, there, there'll probably be something available through Third Chevy's party. performance parts catalog or something like that. Yeah. Um, all right. And then last one is a pretty long one. Let me try and I skim think you through have this to, a little I, bit. I'm still trying to skim through and find the question. Yeah. So this, this is more comment than question. This is actually <clears throat> two emails combined from Lane Sykes. Uh, he's lived in California for 40 years, uh, stays in touch with just about everything happening there. Mm. Been an avid high, high wind kite boarder and windsurfer as well as being a big boat sailor. I know weather and wind patterns. <clears throat> Announced uh, again on the news today, Governor Newsom is seeking to extend the life of their nuclear power station to supplement the ever-growing demand. Uh, so this is, uh, I forget the... Diablo. There, one, which one? Diablo. Yeah, the Diablo uh, nuclear power station. It's the last one operating in California. Uh, it's supposed to close in 2025. They want to extend it for a while um, to make sure they have enough generating capacity. Um, so during during the months of September through mid-October, the normal wind patterns change. The normal cooling flow from the Bay to the Delta, the Sacramento Delta, ends. Uh, temps rise in the Bay Area and Sacramento Area. People turn on AC in mass. Um, the grid suffers and rolling power shutdowns are numerous. When the, winds, uh, when the wind quits, so do the windmills. The California Assembly mandated many years ago that PG&E divert money from grid and infrastructure updates and upgrades to create more solar and wind. Uh, the engineers advised the California government that there was insufficient electrical storage capacity. Uh, they said California only had 60% of the required storage. Uh, Governor Brown signed an executive decree in his last days, stopping the uh, cutting of the trees for any treat for any reason. Uh, that complicates distribution and upgrades. PG&E says that it will take 80 years to complete required upgrades to stop forest fire threats. So, you live in California, Robbie. Oh, don't even get me started. Okay, AT&T, PG&E has been 
essentially paying out money to its stockholders as opposed to upgrading its um, its actual infrastructure. So instead of taking the due diligence and taking care of its infrastructure so it doesn't light fires and kill people, they had been just giving money to uh, to to their stockholders. So they 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 weren't working for and even now it's difficult to 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 really trust uh, PG&E, but they weren't working for the good of their customers there or the good of the grid or the good of really anyone besides their stockholders and the people the executives at PG&E. So it's a it, yeah, there's no love lot. There's there, there's there's very little love for PG&E in California, especially in Northern <laughs> California. Um, and you see their sort of mismanagement and just inability to just do their jobs, um, which is something that's been decades in the making. And it's been exacerbated with the drought. And yeah, the 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 sort of like, well, PG&E said they're, the PG&E is only saying and doing things, especially for the last few decades, in order to make more money, not to fix the the uh, the grid itself. And so it's it's sort of disappointing, um, you know, what has happened here in California and the fact that we're having, you know, we have to do the the uh, the power outages uh that's that's really 18 or pg e saying you know what we don't trust our electric lines not to spark a fire that's why <laughs> the, 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 yeah. that's it that's it's you know there's yes there is grid issues but it's that's not why they're they're turning the power off they have peakers they have battery storage they're turning the power off because it's slightly windy it's a hot day they don't trust their power lines not to spark another fire that's not good, and yeah, you know, and and they, and they have caused multiple yeah. very major fires. Like, wasn't the Paradise Fire caused by uh, yes. PG&E? Yeah. Yeah. There was like a hundred-year-old like part that just that you could see. They showed the part, like they had a picture of it, and it hadn't been ch- changed or looked at or fixed or anything. And you can see just how it the 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 power line had just wore through this chunk of metal <laughs> over the decades. And uh, yeah, PG&E be like, oh, we don't have capacity. Like, no, you don't have the will to do the work that you're supposed to do. Yeah. And and you know, this is this is probably the single biggest problem we have with going all electric. Is it's not so much the generating capacity because it's it, the generating capacity exists, but it's the distribution and and reliable distribution. And you know, when you've got systems like that that are you know threatening to cause fires that limit your your ability to distribute the power then you know it's going to be a serious problem and you know california you know the air resources board has passed the rule saying you know from 2035 onwards no more sales of pure internal combustion or hybrid vehicles it's got to be at least plug-in hybrids uh battery electrics or fuel cells from that point forward um and you know if if they you know if the state doesn't do something about you know making sure the utilities are up to snuff, it's going to be a real problem. Yeah, it's definitely an issue. I mean, I think you know everyone's for the let's make it better, cleaner, faster, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, if they're going to make these mandates like you must stop selling this kind of thing by this date, well then you darn well better have the infrastructure to support it, or you're creating a different whole problem for people. You know, regardless of whether it's the the greed of a company or whatever. It's like if they're not going to change, if they're not going to, you know, if they're not going to adapt, then it does, it does cause a bit of a problem for all of us. 
Yeah, and it's the, the 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 ironic thing is that the thing that might help PG&E fix the fix the issues are the automakers because you know you have the Ford F150 Lightning, you have uh, vehicles from Hyundai, you have the ID Buzz coming. These all support vehicle to load, and at some point these vehicle to load vehicles will be able to be a distributed storage system within the grid. And so either you're helping your your fellow man. Uh, with your, you know, vehicle to load. Polestar will do the same thing. I just did an interview with the CEO. So is, uh, so is GM. Yeah, so everyone's working on these sort of vehicle-to-load vehicles. So they're essentially home batteries. They're essentially part of the grid, even if it's just in a, a, a micro level where it's at your house. But they could also be used, like you were saying earlier, with PG&E working with Ford and GM, where those vehicles can help you know, pull some of the load off the grid and off the uh, their energy producing either whether it's fossil or whether it's natural gas or whether, well, I guess natural gas is false, but whether it's wind or solar. So the cars that everyone's complaining about might actually <laughs> be the well, thing that, help, that helps you, the grid. But you <laughs> do wonder, like, if, okay, so, and I totally agree with you, like, the cars can totally help with the situation once you get to a point where you can, you know, you've got your chars, cars, now your little battery in your driveway to charge your house. But do we have the infrastructure? Say everybody had the car in their driveway to charge your house. Do we have enough to, even if we stagger out, like, you know, like, you know, you do watering when there's a drought, like in New Hampshire, it's like odd, even watering, so you're not all watering on the same day so that it doesn't deplete our, our reservoirs. Even if you're doing a similar kind of thing with, with electric power coming in you do we do they really have enough to juggle everybody doing that you know the entirety of everyone like you wonder how well they're they'd be able to handle that you know it is it, i get i get the like someday in the future but like if you push it too fast if you push it too fast it can't it doesn't it's not going to go smoothly yeah I mean, I mean, the technology is actually i mean if i bought an f-150 and i got the pro connect station i think it's called or charge, pro, charge station pro charge station pro i can do it right now Right. Oh, no, I mean that. But I, I mean, it's just if, electricity. I mean, if, it's just But if you and your – like, everybody in San Francisco did that right now. Let's just put them all in an F-150 because that's a super practical vehicle for San Francisco. But, like, <laughs> the idea of it, like, everybody's in that right the second. You all have to charge that up. Now you're always using that. You can also charge your house with it. But, like, do they have the – Does can the could the grid handle always having to charge – that much stuff like you're still at some point charging that f-150 to at, make it charge at night, your house yes, it absolutely can at night so yeah so you'd have to come up with like really strict though like like you'd have to almost it feels like you'd almost have to do my odd even watering thing like these people charge well, and, this day and, these and the thing like, is it, they, it can get they, tricky. they can they can do that um you know they can do man you can do you, they have managed charging systems yeah that say okay you know at 10 p.m you know, you could start charging. And, of course, you know, they're not going to suddenly start charging a million vehicles, a million EVs, all at exactly 10 p.m. They're going to stagger them, you know, by 10, 15 seconds yeah. apart. Right. You know, but still, it's times. a lot to stagger. It's, it's still also, an incredible It's also based power. on, but the, you know, way the, the way it works, it's, there's a financial aspect to it. Because yeah. nothing works Which without money. Isn't. Right. No, and there, there is. Right. It's, well, no, there is. It's half the chart. My electricity is half the cost while I'm charging my car at night between midnight and 9 a.m. than it is during the day. But ha that's true. But see, but that's a financial incentive for you. But it's like, is that enough to make you go and spend the money on an F-150? And is it, I, I don't know. I still think that it's happening at a pace. I get what, now I've lost his name in his giant email, what Lane, Lane is saying. Sorry, I had to scroll back up through the show notes. <laughs> I get what Lane is saying, that there's like, it's this is all really cool and there is ways to do it, but man, it is a complex thing to try and pull off in a short period of time because there's so many there's so many variables in this and because the power is already in short supply to get it 
to get it to well, where it could thing, do all that. Well, that's the thing. It's not really in short supply. <laughs> the power well, is the, the power out is. If the they power can't is, get it to you. If they well, they can't get, get to you because they haven't fixed the infrastructure, which so, is, again, so, so, right. a whole so other that, system. So, so, the, so you're the patch, idea, patching the infrastructure with the cars. Right, you're patching the like, infrastructure it, with the cars. But you can't – like, I feel like that's not – that's a sketch way to try and do it. I feel like eventually it will work, but I'm like – it's still getting the power to as many people, whether you blame it on the actual source or the lines that get it to or whatever, getting that much power to that many people and then staggering it so that everybody has the power they want when they want it is a complicated, you can't deny that's going to be complicated as heck to try and figure that out. If you suddenly had everybody on the grid and you were relying on the batteries, cool, 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 your car can power your house, but you still have to charge up that car at some point. So how do you charge Bob's car and Mike's car and Sam's car and Nicole's car and Robbie's car all so that we have our cars when we want our car and also have the electricity to run a house when we run a house. It's a complicated, it's a complicated But it's puzzle. not automatic, but, but you're saying it suddenly. It's not a sudden thing. Well, but it's, <laughs> these are huge infrastructures. It's not a, but it is in the grand scheme of trying to upgrade an entire infrastructure, you know? Yeah. There's, but, but you're the, saying the, like stuff that hasn't been done in a hundred years. It clearly doesn't, for, for whatever reason, not negating the reasons, you know, can be debated, but it's still, it is still a complicated thing that is not going to be easy and Look at how long it's just taking us to get chargers for crying out loud, just reliable chargers to plug in your car to charge on the road, you know? But it's, uh, here's a so a peaker takes five years to build. A, a, a peaker, which is something that, you know, you, it, you, you say, okay, we want, uh, we need, we have more demand than we're able to supply during peak hours. So we have to build a peaker, five years. Uh, a battery storage system is 18 months. It costs less. It's 18 months. So there's always the, there's already the financial uh, benefit of already moving away from the fossil fuels and using battery storage. So the, it's there. It's just the will of PG&E and, you know, the, the fact that we've allowed unregulated power companies to just do whatever they want. And the result is deaths. Yeah, I don't yeah. think this. I don't think this is as easy a problem to solve by doing this. Oh no, I, I don't think anybody's saying it's not easy. easy. It's I not think easy. It's, but it's doable. Very, it's doable. I agree that it's doable. But it's, it's going like, to take time. It's ridiculously complex to actually pull this off. Yeah. I don't think it's easy at all. I don't think it's remotely easy. I think all the pieces are there, but like the pieces are floating in the entire universe, and we got to bring them all into one spot and to get all those pieces to work together at the same time. People in the cars, infrastructure to support the cars, everybody to have all to have all of that, that is a complicated thing. I know the pro, like if you individually have your F-150, totally easy, you get how to do it. But to make it so that it's not the small number of people that have those, and to, it's it's more complicated. I think it's complicated. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, everything. There, yeah. <laughs> everything there, with the grid is complicated. It's just that there's 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 actually financial incentives that make it actually less expensive. But it really, again, I'm just going to harp on PG&E and their inability to care about their customers. Yeah, there there is one other piece of Lane's email that I, I did want to address, uh, which is it says for the past week on the local news, I've listened to price increases on electric cars. Uh, interesting that those increases came on the heels of the seven thousand dollar rebate. Uh, it was. If it were based on cost of materials, the all-electric cars would increase by a proportional amount. Back in the Carter days, um, the present Carter days, he gave a $1,000 rebate to anyone who would put solar water heaters on their roof. The day after the rebates ended, the prices dropped $1,000. <laughs> so, um, first of all, the the price increases are, in fact, proportional to the increases that, we're, that we've seen over the past year in prices of the critical minerals on the uh, on batteries so this is things like lithium uh, nickel uh, and cobalt 
um, those those prices have did really did spike over the last year and it yeah. dramatically increased the cost of batteries, uh, which is that translates into the price of these EVs. They've gone from being at least break even on a lot of these models to to losing money, and so that's why they're increasing the prices. These price increases, and this is something that's been going on since early this year. The price increases were already in the planning stages long before anybody heard that that they had reached a deal for the Inflation Reduction Act and these new rebates. Plus, the other thing is most of the vehicles that are getting these biggest price increases aren't going to be eligible for rebates anyway. Um, with, the, with the price increase on the F-150 Lightning, um, the, the only Lightning that would actually potentially qualify for the rebate is the standard range Pro um, or the standard range XLT. Uh, and their price increases are much less because they have smaller batteries. The um, all of the extended range versions are now over eighty thousand dollars base price, which oh. means that they are disqualified anyway. And come next year or uh, beginning of twenty twenty four, Ford is planning on putting CATL iron lithium iron phosphate batteries in the standard range version of the F one hundred and fifty, and also in the standard range version of the Mach E middle of next year, um, which. Because those batteries are made in China, also disqualifies them. So they're they can they're raising the prices, but that's not because those vehicles are suddenly going to have a rebate on them. They won't. There is they do not qualify for these incentives, <laughs> mm-hmm. so, which is a whole uh, other issue. <laughs> yeah, and the same thing goes for the Hummer EV. It's too expensive to qualify. So there there actually are cost increases that have gone into feeding these price increases. Um, you know that said. You know, we will probably see automakers playing some games with pricing and and with options. Like one of the things um, a couple of years ago, when uh, Canada instituted a price cap of forty five thousand dollars for an EV to qualify for their incentive programs, um, Tesla introduced a version of the Model Three um, with a ninety three model range. That was priced at forty four thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars, one dollar less than the price cap of forty five thousand dollars, <laughs> and all they did it's the same. It's got the same battery that's in every other Model Three, but they software locked the battery to limit the capacity so it would only go ninety three miles on a charge, which of course nobody wants a ninety three a Model Three that's only going to go ninety three miles, but once you buy it and you get your tax credit from the from the government then you can pay for an over-the-air software update that unlocks the rest of the battery. Which honestly is really, like, it's the best workaround ever. Like, I, I can't, you can't blame us. Like, you're going to make this, put this arbitrary number on this. We can figure this out. Like, the consumer <laughs> figures it out. Tesla figures it out. It's kind of, that's kind of, hor- like, horrifyingly brilliant to do that. <laughs> yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how, um, you know, when, sometime between now and the end of the year, the IRS is going to have to issue the, the actual rules of how the yeah. program's going to work and to see if they put anything in there to try and prevent any of this sort of gamesmanship. And um, you have to track it. Like, imagine you have to track it. Like, then if you did that, if you bought it under that, what they did in Canada like that, you'd buy it and then have to wait X number of months or not be able to, but then Tesla has to, or whoever would have to report back, hey, we gave an upgrade, so take their money back. Next year, put an extra X number of dollars on their taxes because they shouldn't, that, that gets scary, complicated. Yeah. I'm not for complication in regulation. <laughs> no. Well, there, there's a lot of complication in the, yeah. the whole clean vehicle credit program. Yeah. Um, we're, we're, we're currently writing a whole report on it 
uh, that we hope to publish in a couple of weeks. Is it 8,000 pages long? <laughs> I bet it's redonkulously long. Is it really? He no, just rolled his eyes like, oh, God, you have no idea. We're, 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 <laughs> we're, we're trying to uh, uh, um, pare it down and make it actually understandable. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to it's read a through the 750-page bill. I was going to say, anyone trying to make any bill in the U.S. government understand? Go with God, Sam. I don't know how you're going <laughs> to do that. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's all we've got for this week. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll be back next time. Bye. 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 Recording okay. stopped. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.